0: We find ourselves in a new letter tonight. We are in the letter to the Thessalonians, part two, second Thessalonians. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he and the gang had been going around preaching and sharing the good news, and he had spent time in Greece, Thessalonica. He actually only spent about three weeks there. He says he was there for three Sabbaths, and then he had to book it because they were getting after him, and he eventually went into Berea. You can read more about all of that in Acts 17. So Paul took the time to encourage the Thessalonians. He talked with them about the end times, what's going to happen. He talked to them about their faith and whatnot in the first letter. As we'll see, his little band of merry men are still together. So this second letter, I think, in my opinion, it, it came out pretty quickly after the first. I'd like to get into it. So join me in Second Thessalonians, and we're going to read all of chapter 1. So starting at verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, which is Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because of your faith, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of everyone uh, all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of righteousness, excuse me, of righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Because our, testimony was, because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for words of encouragement that, that those who are troubled will find rest, Lord. Lord, we wish to see, a, we wish to see Jesus, Lord, clear. Draw us closer to you from our Bible study tonight. Lord, Holy Spirit, fill this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> the Thessalonians, they had to endure trials. See, when Paul was there, remember I said he had a book town. Well, he was there preaching and teaching and sharing Jesus, but gosh, there was these Jewish religious, uh, hardcore legal followers that did not like that this guy was preaching Jesus. So they would harass him and run him out of town. They were, they were giving these Thessalonians uh, problems. Not not just them, but it's Greece in the first century. So these Greeks believed and a bunch of different gods, and Zeus, and Apollos, and all these guys. And so you have this group of, of new believers. They were kind of changing their tune. They were like, no, 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 we want to believe in Jesus. And so their actions, their behavior, their words, everything was changing about them, and people didn't like it. So these guys were enduring some persecution. So we have this, this first chapter from Paul. Paul. And he's basically telling them, don't worry, God's going to get those guys. No, 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 it sounds, it's a a little more deep than that. But let's dig in. Let's dig in as we learn how believers, yes, we're going to endure trials. We're awaiting Christ. We will receive eternal glory. And we're also learning a little bit about what happens to the unbeliever. Okay, join me in verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we know who our authors are, right? Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're still together. <clears throat> I um, want to point out how he addresses the church. Okay, it's the church of Thessalonia, the body of believers, the ones called out. It's the believer, not the brick, that makes up the church. Okay, and he says about these Thessalonians that their church, you guys, are in God. That's a great description for any church. If you're looking for a church, I mean, you guys already found one, but when people are looking for a church, you want to make sure they're in God. This is a great, great description for any local church. And in the Lord Jesus. In the Lord Jesus. He tells them, classic Paul greeting, verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, we kind of see these as the twins of the New Testament, it's been said. We, we, can't, we can't experience the peace of God until we receive the grace of God. Did you guys catch that? You can't experience the peace, this peace, this rest for your soul, not until you've received the grace of God, the free gift, the blessing that we don't deserve. Until you get the grace of God, you can't experience the peace of God. Okay, grace, as you know, is unmerited favor. Free blessings that you get that you don't deserve. I like to point out that grace is G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Some people would accuse us of making grace cheap. And I would slap the... No, I'm just kidding. What I would say is it's not cheap... It costs Jesus everything, so it could be free to you and I. Grace, unmerited favor, unmerited favor, and peace, having this calm, this confident soul. Why? Because we're already saved in Jesus Christ. So salvation's not an issue. We already have it because of Jesus. So we can have a confident soul, a confidence and a peace, okay? Okay? Okay, verse 3, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because, of your, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Bound, bound. It's not saying that he's forced to say thank you. No, no, no. See, Paul, so he couldn't go back to Thessalonia. okay? So he sends... Timothy is what Acts tells us. Timothy goes and brings back news. Like, hey, they're going through it, Paul, but don't fret. Stop stressing out, Paul, because they're doing great. They have strong faith. In fact, everybody's hearing about the faith in Thessalonica. It's amazing. So Paul is, like, so, like, pumped about what's going on. He just can't help himself. He's got to praise the Lord. It's not that he's bound. He just realizes that their faith during the persecution and their love was all supplied by the Lord. So what does he do? He goes right to the source. God, thank you so much for what you're doing through these guys. But why did they have to experience trials? Why experience suffering? Well, as you guys might be learning or might have learned or our younger audience you probably will learn trials they expand our faith faith that muscle that that muscle it has to be exercised and trials seem to expand our faith how will you know if your faith is growing if not experiencing a little bit of trial and frustration or even a big trial and suffering Man, it's like God's throwing us some faith weights, working us out. But like with the Thessalonians, he supplied faith, he's supplying love, he's our supply, he's our source. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Like faith, like love, like patience, like Man, he wants us to endure. He wants us to keep him centered and focused, okay? Paul is watching the Thessalonians endure, and he's watching and hearing about their reputation of their faith enduring, their love getting out there, and he's praising the Lord. Have you guys ever, like, seen something in someone around you, or you might have seen someone go through a suffering and you know it was the Lord that supplied all their strength? Like, what has inspired you and motivated you in your life to just sit there and just praise God for how he's working through someone? Take a moment in your prayer time, in your devotion time, to just consider, Lord, I've seen you work in so-and-so's life. I've seen you work in my own life. And start praising him in the midst of all the prayer requests. Did you catch that he kept saying how their love abounded? Their love abounded or increased, right? Right? And so it gives me this thought of this like stream that's flowing. We've been watching the news and we see where the heavy rains have come down and streets are starting and gutters are starting to overflow with water. So this love is like a stream and it's overflowing on the banks. That's what Paul's trying to point out. He's saying, man, I love how your guys' faith went upwards and your love went outwards. You guys catch that with these Thessalonians? Their faith went up and their love went out. Okay, verse 4. He says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. He's like, guys, I've seen how much you've rocked it. I'm telling everybody about you. You guys are really going through it, but gosh, you guys, your faith has grown. Gosh, I can tell that your patience has grown. Ooh, have you ever heard about when people uh, pray for patience? There's only one way God gives it to you. Kids, no. Man, patience comes through the (laughs) storms and trials, it seems like. I'm always asking, Lord, just give me patience while I'm on vacation, putting my feet in the sand. No, it's always, always through storms and trials, because trials expand our faith. And (laughs) patience but he's so excited about what's going on that he and his, his, his gang of merry men are just like excitedly telling everybody about the Thessalonians. I get it, I can relate to, to Paul. Um, we have a team that is just coming back from Mexico and I don't know where they went, but when I go down to Mexico with, our, with Pastor Bob, our missions coordinator, we go to this place called Casa, Mi Casa Esperanza and I brought some pictures to show you guys. So this is uh, one wing of, of Mi Casa Esperanza, House of Hope. And what it is, it's a um, women's shelter. So they bring in these abused women that are going through stuff and their kids, and they teach them how to work, and the kids go to school. This is Packing House doing an outreach down there for, for teens. Their love has grown and gone beyond their little campus there, and it Goes all over Ensenada. These kids are from all bunch of different areas. I see guys in our church up there in the picture, and I see him in the back. So let's go to the next one. Okay, there's a little guy. I love these guys. Okay, let's see some more. All right, oh, the lady in the back. I was gonna do a close-up, but I didn't know if I would embarrass her and her husband. That is Gabby, and she helps supervise and oversee the operation down there. She, would, she and her husband... Gabby, who's doing worship. Oh, this is people from our church doing uh, uh, lunch and food out there. They, What these guys do is they oversee the whole thing. And I'm telling you, their faith has grown and their love has gone out. Uh, anymore, or is that the last one? Okay, I don't know who went down there and taught all the kids how to use a water balloon launcher. It's amazing. I'll tell you that. We've had fun. This is an, yet another amazing game. They're trying to eat cookies. This was from a few years ago because a lot of... That little girl, she's probably like 17 now. Um, anyways, they're, we're just playing games, having fun with all the kids. I'm actually taking the junior high and the high schoolers down there in August. Is that it? That might be it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so they would be like, you're bragging on them, going, man, you should see their faith is strong. Their love is going out. Man, things are changing because of um, their lives in Christ. And How cool is that? By the way, plug for the Mexico Outreach. You guys can go down there. Pastor Bob goes down to Ensenada like every other month and takes a team. And they are radically blessed. Um, hearing their stories is amazing. Okay, so verse 5. This is a little confusing. It took me a minute to get through this one. Which is manifest evidence of righteous judgment of God. That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. He says, all this trouble is a clear sign that God has made you fit for the kingdom. All this this persecution, these tribulations, how you've been enduring, it's all proof, it's all evidence that, that God's at work in you, God's at work through you, God's in this situation, and he's working, he's working. There's a common belief that when we're suffering as believers, that God's not with us, or he's absent, or he's late to the party. I can't tell you how false, how fake that information is. He's not late. He, he's not a bully with a magnifying glass trying to burn us. He's not any of that. He is the same God in Joshua 1.9. Don't be afraid or discouraged. I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. He's still the same God in John 3, 16. I love the whole world so much that I gave my only son. I love you, God says. He's the same God that authored Psalm 139 where he says we're fearfully and wonderfully made that he thinks about us more than there are grains of sand. He knit us together in, in the womb. As Pastor Ed would point out, he talks about DNA right there. He Knit us together in the womb. Psalm 139, if you need some encouragement. Paul presents a different viewpoint. He's showing that the suffering experienced by the Thessalonians actually demonstrate God's righteous judgment. God's still at work, always. When we go down to sleep, he's still at work. Working and doing his thing. Are you going through something? Has the stuff hit the fan in your life? Pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray through persecution. Pray through sickness. Pray through problems. Ask the Lord. Lord, help. He's there. He doesn't just send you to voicemail. He doesn't ignore you. He doesn't ghost you. He's there for you. Right now, he's there. If you're praying right now, Lord, I need you right now. He's here. He loves you. We need to trust him. We need to trust God even when it's rough. Paul goes on to say in verse six, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Okay. I want to make sure that I keep this in context, in the correct background, in the correct setting. Though, when I say tribulation and suffering, yes, here in America, in Southern California, we deal with things like sickness and disease and whatnot. Very rarely do we deal with our uh, persecution of our Christianity. But that does go on in the world. In other parts of the world, people are slain for their faith in Jesus Christ, beheaded tossed out of communities there, messed up in, in different parts of the world. Oh, come on, Rick, no one, they don't have that. Yes, they do. Check out Voice of the Martyrs, if you don't believe me. Voice of the Martyrs. And there's still persecution going on. But I understand that we deal with our own stuff here in America and in Southern California, but to put this in correct context, in a correct historical setting, they're dealing with pressure of their, for their Christianity So then Paul says, hey, it is a righteous thing for God to repay with tribulations those who trouble you. It's almost like he's echoing what he said in the first letter. I think it was one or two weeks ago we saw how God does not want us to repay evil for evil. God will judge, God will act. See, we always say, God, you're so gracious. Lord, give me grace. God, you're so merciful. Give me merciful. No one ever says, Lord, I just want your justice on all my sin. Yeah, I didn't pray that either. No way. I go, Lord, I just want that forgiveness thing now and more grace. But God is a just God, and he will punish those who persecute you, he's telling them. Yes, while it's true God is love, it is also true that God is light, which means that in his holiness, he's gonna deal with that sin, okay? So what should we be doing? We need to trust him. We need to trust him. We need to trust that he's going to rescue, that he does repay, repay people that will persecute. If you don't believe me, check out what happened to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God wanted His people to be let go to worship in. Pharaoh said no, and look how it turned out for those guys after all those plagues and the and the sea literally crippling their army. It was bad news for those guys. He says, verse seven, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. Rest. He's going to give us. Rest, relief, release from the pressure. Um, when he's used that word rest, it's like, have you ever pulled back a bow and then released it? He released the pressure. That's what he's trying to say. Rest is promised. Remember, as we finished First Thessalonians, Paul was talking about how he was going to gather up the church in the raptures, how we call it. He's, we're gonna be caught up before all that gnarly tribulation happens seven for seven years he's talking about you will have rest there will no there will be no more problems church church what we're trying to point out is if we're living in light of eternity if we're living with this understanding that there is eternity that there is life that goes on forever with jesus christ then no matter what we're going through on this side of eternity that is temporary In light of this concept of eternity, everything we're dealing with now, the joys, the sadness, the suffering, everything in between, this is all temporary. Earth is temporary. But it's so easy for us to just think of what we can see and feel and what we've got coming up tomorrow morning. Gosh, tomorrow morning's not promised. But eternity is for the believer in Jesus Christ. So we must live with this hope, with this eternal view in mind. Live in light of eternity. Okay, now look at verse 8. it gets kind of gnarly right here. Inflaming fire, taking vengeance. I'm sure that's how he wanted it read. Maybe a little lighter. Inflaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, when he says vengeance, he's not thinking, hey, I'm this revenger getting ready to go out there and mob it up. no. Vengeance, this is going to suffice God's holy law. The purposes of revenge is to just get even. No, 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 what he's doing, yes, he's just, yes, he's fair, but he's sufficing his holy law. Out of the living Bible, this verse is translated, bringing judgment on those who do not wish to know God and who refuse to accept his plan to save them through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this, this punishment is for those who reject Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes will have everlasting life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, to judge it guilty, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. He's saying for these people that wouldn't recognize God, wouldn't obey God, wouldn't give him the word obey, uh, it's better if you describe it like um, the people that wouldn't give him ear or listen to, or it also could mean open the door. Who said this? I stand at the door and knock. It's these people who have just, totally rejected Jesus Christ, this punishment's reserved for them. I know it sounds scary, but believer, I'm not trying to scare you guys or anything. If anything, Paul's what he's trying to do is saying, hey, this is for those guys. For you guys, you're good. You're already in eternity. Okay, good job, guys. But he is saying, hey, for people that don't receive the good news of Jesus Christ, This is what awaits them. And what is the good news? He uses the word gospel, it's translated good news. Here it is, you wanna know the gospel in just a couple of verses? 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. There's the gospel, right there, simple. Just as God said it was gonna happen all in the Old Testament. Jesus died. Three days later, he came back to life. Romans tells us that if you confess, if you believe, and if you believe in Jesus Christ, you would be saved. Punishment here is only reserved for those who choose to reject, to those who choose to refuse or recognize God as God, Jesus as God's son, that he died he loved the whole world. He's not some angry God that's just trying to send people to hell. What kind of a loving God would send someone to hell? Not this God, because it's not made for people. It says that, 2 Peter 3.9, I'm going a little ahead, but it says, 2 Peter 3.9 says, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. Jesus himself said that he, uh, he said in Matthew 25:41. he says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus says that that was prepared for the devil and his people, his angels, not human beings. Because God wishes that none would perish, that all would come to a re- to Repentance. Repentance doesn't mean just feel guilty about everything. No, no, no. It means a change of mind, a change of behavior. He says, I wish that everyone would walk away from their sin and walk toward the Lord. Man. Verse 9 says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Here's what he means. Forever separated from from God. That's what scares the heck out of me, because God is love. God's the guy who loves us, thinks about us, gives us free blessings. He's the man. He's not the man. He's the good, good father. He's perfect in all of his ways, and he loves you. He's for us. He's not against us. He does cool things like fling planets into orbit and puts a whole bunch of extra stars out there, just so we'll look and be like, dang, Lord, you're just showing off today, aren't you? This is amazing. I don't want to be separated from him forever. You guys, just bringing it a little practical. Look what's happened as we've taken Christ out of our businesses, out of schools, out of culture and society. Chaos, confusion. But with God, peace. Shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. Confident, quietness, calmness in my soul. Man, with God, all things are possible. And I want to be with him for eternity. That does sound like hell, to be away from God forever. Man, this is, I know this is deep stuff. Well, here he goes in verse 10. When he comes in that day to be glorified all his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because of our testimony among you was believed. When he comes, God's going to be glorified, honored, exposed, displayed in the saints. You're a saint. I'm a saint. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we are saints. The Phillips translation says, It will be a breathtaking wonder to all who believe, including you, for you have believed the message that we have given you. A breathtaking wonder. Have you guys ever had a breathtaking wonder? where you just, all of a sudden, your breath got taken away. The first time I held my little girl, I was like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> it, breathtaking wonder. Uh, one time I, I saw a humpback whale up close as it was breaching. I mean, seeing that, it literally took my breath away seeing something 50, 60 feet long that could just swallow me and my kids who were swimming. (laughs) I mean, it, it was breathtaking, God's design of that animal. Mammal, if my daughter was in the room, she'd correct me. And he says, you who believed our testimony. Let me touch a little bit on testimony. Testimony is when you talk about, you give witness, you you talk about something you personally witnessed or experienced or heard, right? You see something happen in the community, something goes wrong, we might have you at court, and you start sharing what you personally experienced. You have personally experienced Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've seen God work mighty and do some crazy stuff in your family or friends around you, and you're like, I know that was the Lord. I saw him working. That's amazing. That story is a testimony, and it's not meant for you to be selfish with it. Tell somebody, because testimonies are powerful when when people are sharing about God. They're powerful. Little pro tip for when you're crafting your testimony, please don't take 10 minutes to tell us about your past and then 10 seconds to tell us about God. Reverse that. Tell us all about the Lord and, and say, hey, I was a knucklehead, but look what all the Lord did for me. We don't need bragamonies. We need testimonies about God's radical love and work in our lives. Give that glory and honor that should be from his saints, like he's saying, glorified in his saints and to be admired among the, all those who believe. You're a saint. Glorify the Lord. Expose him for the world. And maybe you're like, no, I don't want to be on the stage telling all those people, you know what? Tell the people that live next door or down the hall, model it and display it. Display what God's done in your life. Maybe you don't ever use even words. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, I say this often. He said, um, preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words. You guys catch it. Share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. All right, we're getting ready to wrap up. Verse 11, therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count. I'd rather put the word make in there, that he'd make you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. He says, we keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you, to make you live a life worthy of his call, enable you. Did you know you can't make yourself worthy? You just, this is not how it works. You can't make yourself and work up this thing to earn God's favor. That's why it's grace. It's a gift. You can't, oh, I've got to pray. Oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pray, and I'm worthy now. Or I'm going to show up for church every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. It helps if you come every Sunday night, though. No. You just can't work up this stuff. In fact, that's how God designed it. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works. It's a gift, so no one can brag about it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So may God, church, enable you and make you. May God be just totally open and liberal with his gifts, talents, and abilities for you, believer in Jesus Christ. And may he meet those gifts, talents, and abilities with opportunities to showcase His grace and His work in your life and through your life. You guys catch the difference? I can't make myself worthy. But you can be open to receiving God's gifts and you can be a conduit or an instrument of His grace to others. Like the Thessalonians, our faith grows upward, but our love goes outward. None of that was in my notes, so I'm totally lost. Okay, one more verse. We're there. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. I love that because our lives as believers in Jesus Christ, our lives should reflect our relationship with Christ. Got it? Okay. He says, and you will be honored along with him. Okay, this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. It's all, you want to glorify him more, you want to love more, you want to do everything more for the kingdom, and it only happens by grace. God giving you everything you need to be successful. Doing fantastic mission trips all over the world by God's grace. I look at, I, I, I often hear the story of how the packing house came to existence. Who would have thought back in the 70s when there was nothing but orange groves at a dilapidated old packing house sitting on the corner would be a part of thousands of people's journey to Christ? Like, I don't even know if there was an off-ramp back in the 70s back there. Now look what's around us, like, This is crazy what the Lord has done with this church from Alabama Street all the way down to Nevada. So many people and pastors and missionaries and moms and dads and doctors and teachers and all kinds of people all in between, serving the Lord, getting built up and fed by what started as this little building over there on the corner. It's all by God's grace, not by man's efforts and works and what they think are great ideas. all by God's grace. It's free. It's a gift. And I close with this question. Will you receive it or reject it? Will you receive Jesus Christ? Have you received Jesus Christ? Started a relationship with him? Or will you just say, "Ah, I'm good. I'll take the whole flaming fire thing. (laughs) That sounds like a better option. (laughs) Really? No way. And just in case you think, oh, I don't really believe it. People have been digging out in the Middle Eastern deserts for a couple hundred years now trying to prove this book wrong and every time they do, they dig up something that proves it right. There's museums full of artifacts now that prove the Bible and the God of the Bible. So this, I ask you again, this grace thing, you wanna receive it or do you wanna just set it aside? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for grace. Thank you for helping us see Jesus clearly, God. I pray, Lord, that you would keep um, reminding us of the fact that we get to spend eternity with you, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that this scary thought of being separated from you would motivate us to share grace and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you feel the Holy Spirit's been knocking on that door, waiting for you to open it, to come into your life and start that relationship with him, If that's you, if you'd like to know that all your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know where you will spend eternity, then this moment's for you. It's a prayer that we say each week here, and you can say it in your own heart. I get it. It's between you and the Lord. Or you can say it out loud with us. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, Amen. Amen, church. Hey, church, if no one's told you that they love you today, I love you, packing house. But more importantly, God radically loves you guys. So good night, and God bless you.